Hey, good morning. So in this, like what Pasolina was talking about last week, like I'm just going to go over a couple of things that she said about this stewarding abundance. First thing, stewarding is not about money. It's the way we live, right? So it's basically how you do your job also is how are you stewarding what you know. How do you do church? That's also stewarding what you know about who God is, right? And everything belongs to God. That's Psalm 24.1. She said that. Because all this, what we're doing, is all about God, right? Your life and everything is all about God. It's not about, oh, I felt like doing this today, okay? And then one other thing she said is, what is your role in the company? Like, if you don't know who you are, what would you end up doing, right? If I'm basically an accountant and I don't know to even count, it's like I don't even know to use the software. What the heck am I going to do with that? Everything will equal to zero or whatever I want to make that number. So what is your role? To understand your role, like, so I'm just springboarding off that. When you're, to understand our role in the company, our foundation has to be God, right? And the most important thing is God is love, right? Everybody understand that? Like, where, wherever you are, whoever you are in this room, that foundation has to be love. It doesn't matter what you are going through. It doesn't matter what you went through. The foundation is love. Everything will basically, if you lack love, then get love. You see, you only don't get it at the wrong places. Most people go and get it at the wrong places because God is love. The Bible says that God is love. And for us, the whole thing is the foundation who we are called to be and what we do is love. We have to, that, that, we have to set that right. Otherwise, what we, happens is like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've been to church 15 years, 20 years. I got this. I got this. I'm so expert on love that I have everything. I understand everything. But really, in love, there are various degrees of love. Do you understand that part of it? Like, it's very easy. Oh, I, I love Kirk. Okay, but I can't love Kirk like Angie does. It's very different. I can't love Kirk like the kids love him. You, you, you have to understand this, and that varying degrees of love increases out of your love that you receive from God. If you have never grown in the love that God has for you, you will not step out into the greater love that God has if, to give through you. It's very simple. The more love I receive from God, I'm able to give more love. If I do not have love, empty vessel. I cannot give love. So how are you receiving love? Are you receiving love? Is your foundation basically based on love? Or is it an agreement with God? If you do this, I'll do this, God. See, love is not that way. Love goes above and beyond. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he had only one motive, you. He didn't think, oh, they're going to pray, they're going to worship, they're going to sing these songs, they're going to write these books, they're going to open all these businesses for me. Nah, that was never his thought about you. He's like, I just love you. Foundation is love. In everything, if our foundation is faulty, it's because of lack of love. 
we have to understand this and minute I feel anger towards somebody, I automatically have to question, oh, I'm not moving in love. Right? Because again, what would God do? Did God come and strike them and just say, boom, you're gone. You failed me, uh, we are done. That's what we choose to do because we lack love. Love sees very differently. Love feels very differently. Love acts very differently. What, what is love to you? Do you think that we have grown in love all the 15, 20, 30, I don't know how many years people have been in church. Have we grown in that love? People, people basically are questioning, can you move in miracles? Can you raise the dead? Can you do things that, you know, is considered the graduation of like all your spiritual giftings coming to the culmination and saying, oh, they, they have it. They're doing this. They're doing this. But what if you don't have love? Right? So God basically, in this stewarding portion of it, God is more about the steward than about what you can steward. Okay? I have to set this foundation thing very well because out of this is what we are going to start stewarding what you are called to do. Because the foundation, if it is faulty, it is broken, and you think you know everything about what love is, but it is basically, somebody, okay, I'll give you an example. A house built on the rock, right? And a house built on the sand. Somebody gave an example yesterday, I forgot what I was listening to, and it's the rock, basically, when it basically weathers all the human elements, the worldly elements become sand. The solid rock is strong, it's true, but when you allow the cares of the world to come to you, that truth basically becomes powder, it becomes sand. And you try to build your house on that. There's an element of truth to that, but that's not the whole truth that God really put into your heart. We have to come to that understanding is that where have we allowed the cares of this world to come and take away our love and eat away the truth that basically God had put in our hearts at first. So it's, so it's very important. Go to Matthew 3.17. This is where, you know, Jesus is getting baptized and then a voice comes from heaven and says, Behold my beloved, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Our whole foundation of love has to come to this passage, or not even passage, just the sentence, this is my son. You've you got to understand is this, people walk around in church as orphans because they had never been fathered in love. They've never been told is like, hey, you're, you're good. You, we, you've done well. Hey, this works. Like, you know, the, the heart of God is always for his son. You are his son. And don't worry about the gender, right? There are many women in church also. So sometimes, you know, when we say son, they go like, oh, not me. No, 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 no. They, this is not about God. God is nothing about gender. He's just saying, hey, you are mine. We have to set that very understanding. Everything when we feel insecure is because there is no identity of who we are. You see, the first, very first, I wouldn't say first experience. When I went to Toronto, I have said this many times, I think. It's, I had this experience where I am dirty with muck and everything. And suddenly I'm at the throne room of God 
and God basically stops the whole business of the throne room. Okay, you got to understand this. This is not an earthly kingdom also I'm talking about. I'm talking about God in heaven. He stops the whole thing and tells me to come and run up. And I just, as mucky as I am, I run up and I run on and I sit on his lap. And he has no worries about what the world he has to take care of, all the business. He only cared about who I was and what I was. And he just hugged me and he loved on me, irrespective of all the muck I had. That is the love of God for you this morning. The God, the God who I know, who is my father, wants me as a son. That is my identity, that is my calling, and that is set. It's very funny because we went to, and I say, we went to uh, Pittsburgh. We went to Pittsburgh 2014, 2015, somewhere around then, and there's this uh, prophet who was ministering, and he basically says, in front of the whole church, you are my son. And, okay, you know, if he said it in passing, like, you are my son, oh, man, this guy went on, like, for five minutes, he just was like, you are my son, and I am in front of this whole church. And you can imagine how much I broke down that night. was like, because I was like, never had this experience where somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you are my son. I'm so proud of you. You have, like, things was there that would have killed you, but you have withstood them all, and I'm so proud of you. And when you hear that, coming from somebody who doesn't even know you, but you hear the heart of God for you, it automatically changes the way that you, you know, would get. Oh, people come and say, I love you. Sure, you love me, fine, okay. And when you do this thing, they disappear. Yeah, but God's love never changes. God's love is steady. God's love is constant. God's love is always there. Rain, sun, shine, doesn't matter what. God's love for you is always there. People say, oh, but God didn't do this for me. That's not the criteria of love. That's where we have basically adulterated what love is and say, if you do this for me, then, I, then you love me. If you don't do this for me, then you don't love me. Do you understand this, where I'm going with this? It's like for us on earth, we have created love as a bartering system, a bargain system. But God is not in that system. God's love is irrespective of anything you do. I love you. Do, do you understand that? Okay, go, let's go to this prodigal son. Did you all know that prodigal son is only once in the Gospels? Only one time. How many of you all knew that? Okay. I, I was like, hmm, that's surprising because you think prodigal son, we use it. Oh, let the prodigals return. We think you'd have it at least four Gospels, you know. Back and forth, like, you know, so it's just like, but go, go to Luke 15, go to verse 17. So we know when the prodigal basically went out, he took his money, he squandered it, he did whatever he wanted. And this is when he comes back, right? But when he finally came to his senses, he said, most important thing, we first have to come to our senses, right? Because it's not like we came to church. You can come to church and you're not in your senses, <laughs> It doesn't matter, right? People think it was like, you've got to understand this. Like, you know, we invite people to church, and you're always welcome, right? And sometimes we are like, hey, you know, but you know what senses they are, if they have come in with, oh, these people only talk about money, or these people only do, you know, it doesn't work. 
Because sometimes it's like, but God can make all those things happen. Because I've had people who basically just walked into church, say, I don't even care, and God was able to touch them. They were like, you know, flopping as a fish on the floor, and they were done. I was like, okay, now what, now what do you have to prove? Nothing. Right? Because everything, we come with our ego, we come with what we know, and we try to display it to God. And God just looks at it and laughs. <laughs> when he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I am dying year of hunger? And so this is what he's saying now. Now this is a son who's walked away from his father, taking all whatever he said is mine, this is mine. And he walked away and he squandered it. And he says, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. So he realizes that, you know, we need to have a repentant heart. He repents, okay, because first you have to think about it that I want to repent. And then you do what you say you're repenting of and you say, hey, I'm repentant of this, right? The altar call automatically doesn't change you. It's basically how do you get up from the altar and how do you repent and live in that repentant life, right? It's that. I cannot basically repent and come to the altar and then eh, go back and say, oh, go back to my same old friends, go back to my same old ways and say, okay, this is fine. And then repent. And again. And again. You know? Hey, I was professional about this. I got to tell you, you know, you all, you all think like, you know, that I'm making fun of it. I'm, I live this lifestyle. You know, when I was... I was Catholic. How many of you knew that? So I was Catholic, and I did get saved when I was in the Catholic Church, and I spoke in tongues. And then I went back to, like, you know, because we were charismatic. How many of you know there was charismatic in the Catholic Church? And I spoke in tongues. We believed in words of knowledge and healing and everything. And then my friends came. My good friends came. You know, they came into my life, and they were also saved. This is how funny it was. And we just went through life, and suddenly we were like little, just a little off, a little off. And soon we were like, hmm, yeah, let's go to 5 o'clock morning service where nobody we know is over there. We are like, because we are coming from a party straight to church. Because my grandmom basically had a rule that you could not come home if you didn't go to church. <laughs> so five o'clock in the morning was the shortest mass we ever had, right? We, we, the priest was, we, we called him Happy Feast Father, because more than the message he gave, he talked about whose feast it was that day, right? So you knew whose feast it was, but we were happy it was done within 30 minutes and we were out. Because that, you know, we had, we had, we had used all our energy all night. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, and so it was like, hey, we went to that, you know. Oh, babe, so it's funny. In verse 19, it says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. What happens in this? I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, sin will cause you to basically disqualify yourself of who you are. Sin basically says, mm -mm, yeah, I'm no longer worthy. Straight, it's an attack on your identity. It's not like I'm not, the devil doesn't play games. It's like, oh, let me just play a little bit with you. No, 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 no. The attack is straight on your identity. It's like I'm no longer worthy to be your son. What made you worth to be born into that family? Did you do anything? Let me ask you, as a kid, 
to be born into a family. Did you do anything to be born into that? No, you never did anything. So what makes you think that you are worthy to be your son? It is God, through the blood of Jesus, who has basically said that you are worthy. It's nothing else. So where did this confusion come from? My worthy, oh, I did this, so I'm not, no longer worthy. That's the enemy. That's the devil. The devil wants you to basically give your, what do you say, your sonship, your daughtership away and basically just give you an identity that is not yours. We basically walk in an identity with wholeness, right? When we live, like, if, if I was an army guy and I had like bullet wounds in me and I was like trying to still fight, you know, but there's parts of me that are missing. That's okay. You still identify as an army guy and you're fighting the battle. But here it is where you're told is like, hey, I'm no longer worthy to join the army because I didn't do all your 20 push-ups and your 30 jumping jacks and whatever. And I basically am just going to give, listen to whatever the enemy has to tell me. That's where the church has gone to. Because it has become the calisthenics of the spiritually worthy. That I basically am putting myself saying, hmm, I'm worthy. Oh, I'm worthy. Let me sit on this first chair because I feel I'm worthy. But let me hide in the corner like how John does. I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah, I had to pick on you, John. Hey, John helped me with get a scripture today, right? He told me to give him that. I said, yes. Sin always wants you to lose your identity of who you are in Christ. What, okay, I keep saying identity. So the, the message today is stewarding your identity. It's just a simple thing, but it's out of love, setting that foundation first in love being able to receive from God, developing into a sonship, and then moving into what a son would do. You see, most times what happens, we get saved, we receive the love, we say we are Christians, and that's the end of our developing. We have to basically challenge that thinking right now. Because in that, we can come to church, we can do what we're saying we do, but we have never grown in God's love. That is the growth we have to see. People can t tell me that I came, full year I came to church. All 52 weeks I was at church. But the development is, do you sound like God? Do you talk like God? What is the meditation of your heart? If all I think about is fancy stuff, I need this, I need that, and all, the meditations of my heart is filled with stuff. It's what I want to get. Meditation of my heart is not who he is. And our singular goal in life is to be Christ-like. At the end of your life, when they say, well done, my good and faithful servant, good and faithful. You know, when God made the earth, it was good. It said it was good. The good that is over here is basically saying, hey, you're good and faithful. It was not like one day I just received God and I'm done now. It was faithful again and again and again and again and daily and daily, morning and afternoon and evening and getting up and basically saying, okay, God, not just once a day I basically read my Bible. I'm really meditating on what your word is in my heart. You see, identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. 
we sometimes mix things up because identity, say, okay, quotes, mom and dad are musicians, right? And there's an identity about them that court has. They're developed in music and all that. The same way we, everybody basically has an identity which we see and we automatically say we are like that. But that is not our identity. That's a very likeness, that's a very similarity that we have. And it's, it's a DNA thing also, right? So we're not discounting that because again, you have to think of, this is the talent that is given into me. And sometimes we mix that talent with, you know, the talent in the Bibles. And so that's where it is. But it's the identity which is ours. But when God gives it to me, he basically says, hey, you're a son. Hey, you're a warrior. It's very funny because, you know, you get multiple different things said to you. But when I tell you you're a son, a son is able to do whatever it takes for the father. You see, sometimes in church, I'll take this later. Let me move on to this. Verse 20, go back to that prodigal son. And when he got up and came to his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him, compassion as in love, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the father said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So yes, he repeated exactly verbatim what he had thought in his heart, and he came and he told his father that. Right? We, we always that, because we don't just walk out from our chair and repent. We have that in our hearts. It's been bothering us that, hey, I need to repent of this. I need to basically get right with God. And we have it, and we just kind of pushed it down, pushed it down enough that it doesn't bother us. It doesn't make us feel like, ugh, like, you know. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him the ring for his hand and sandals for his feet and bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let us invite everyone feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found, so they began to celebrate. It's interesting. The father didn't care of what, how you put your case forward to him. Love doesn't care about all what you say. I did this because my friends did this. I did this because, oh, I was not given this in life. Oh, I didn't have this, so I went in through the wrong way. Oh, I tried to make this happen with my own flesh, and that's why. God doesn't care. He is just happy to see when you have repented and you have come back, he is just happy to receive you. Long time, there is no rep I was telling somebody last night about when I got saved at that uh, born again, we wrote a confession. My confession was a book. I literally wrote a book, a 100 or 200 page book, okay? We, 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 we were at a Christian camp for five days, right? The first day I was rebellious as good. Second day I was like, ah, okay, I can feel that God is like, you know. So I started writing the book. In the middle of the night when nobody's seeing you, you repented of your sin. During lunch I would hide under the tree and write. And I wrote a lot. So when I went to the priest, who happened to be this cardinal guy, he basically, I told him, now what are you going to do with this book? He's like, up to you. You want me to keep it, I keep it, or I burn it. I said, burn it. He's like, you know. 
Because, but the, when we repent, that has to be the level of our repentance. What sometimes we do is like, yeah, no, God, it, it's matching to the character of God. Our repentance and all has to match to that, saying, hey, God, I looked very oddly at this person with kind of like pride. Do you, do you understand? The level that we have to get to to become Christ-like is that. Like I just, mm, like, you know, rolled my eyes and I just said whatever and I walked away. What if that had to be judged of your Christ-likeness? Would you have to repent of that? Right? What you said in secret suddenly comes out. What you have murmured in your heart suddenly becomes the very thing that you have to match to say, oh, is this God-like? Is this like Christ? See, sometimes we get away where we have a very loose, loosey-goosey kind of system for these things. And God is not about that. He's like, hey, if you're my son, do it my way. There's no, oh, but I, I, I know how to do this. I've been to church where they're okay with what I do. You know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, 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 no. Your fine is not according to the, what, the system of a church, but this is about who God is, who Jesus is in your life. Can you match to that quality of who Jesus is? That's why you say, open hands, clean hands. Who shall see me? Those with clean hands. Right? Your walking is not a walking where I'm, there are things you're hiding behind your back, but you're openly walking and said, God, in total surrender. This is who I am. I'm not saying things behind my back. I'm not saying things, saying, mm, no, they, they won't make it. I'll tell you to your face if you won't make it. Do you, do, would you like that? That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I still know that irrespective of what I feel, that God is able to make miracles happen. It doesn't matter. Like, I've heard stories where people, you thought they died and they had never received Christ. And on that dead bed, 10 minutes before, some random person showed up. They received God and they walked away. And, and you're like, wow, that was cutting it close. Like, you know, like you just barely made it in with 10 minutes to spare. But, but what, what happens in this part of it is, as a son, we sometimes have to know. Okay, let, let me put it this way. If I asked you, Rick, what do you do? That, this is where I have to go to you now. Rick, what do you do? Yeah. Rick, who are you? There you go. There we go. See, I didn't, I didn't throw you down. <laughs> I gave you something to. Exactly. So this is what happens. When people ask us who we are, we respond by our occupation. Our occupation is not who we are. In the kingdom, your occupation of what you do is not relevant. Steward is relevant. What you steward is not relevant. Do you understand this? Primary, go back to that first thing. Is that. Hmm. Yeah, views not aligned to the word of God causes us to take on a false identity. Sin and deception causes us to give away identity. That's it, because Adam was deceived. Adam, who hung out with God. Now, I got to throw some little more level that you hang out with God. Adam hung out with God and yet missed it. And he ran and took on an identity of fig leaves. 
thinking that would cover his shame. Knowing that the love of God who had given him dominion over everything in the garden, instead of coming back to God, ran away to hide behind thinking fig leaves would solve the problem. Hmm? Alcohol would solve the problem. Drugs would solve the problem. What is your fig leaf that you're hiding behind? Finding love in other places, would that solve the problem? Those are your fig leaves. Just learn to throw it off. Adam, spend time with God, quality time. So it's basically not talking about these are born again. Like, no, it's not talking about sinners who have never known God. This is people who know God. Even though I'm talking very simple things, I'm talking to a church who knows God. You understand? It doesn't matter who you are in this place. Basically, it's like sometimes we choose to take on an identity which is not ours. The other example, if I had to give you of identity, would be, you know when David went to fight uh, Goliath? He first went and met Saul, right? And Saul was very happy. At least he found somebody to go fight Goliath. He thought he was not going to win anyways. But anyway, he gave him his armor. Sometimes we put on an armor that is not ours. In Christianity, we come to church. And because of what we do, that suddenly becomes identity. And we take on that identity when you receive the offering. So because you receive the offering for the rest of your life, that's your identity. How do you like that? Yeah. And that's how we basically label people. We put them into an identity, and it's coming from authority, and it's saying, all right, this is what you do. That's all you're going to do. But we're, we're sons, right? If I'm told a son can only come into this house and go to his room, that's all you know about your sonship, go to this room, are you really a son? Is that your level of authority? Right? So we, and we're guilty of this as a church. We basically said that's what it is, you know? And there, there will come a time where suddenly all these things will change. I believe in the church there's coming a time where suddenly, because I always believe, like even in the gifts, right? Operating of the gifts, everything is from God. If I say, Everett, all you're going to do is only preach. Yeah, but what use is the preaching going to be if there is no moving in miracles, signs, and wonder? You see? The pre so we automatically said, yes, he's a teacher. Kirk, you're a teacher, and that's all you're going to do. Okay? No. Because God has more for you because the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead abides in me. The same Jesus. This is how you have to talk to yourself. You're not going to have somebody come and lay hands on you and give you a prophetic word and say, now Gwen, you're going to move to this third seat and on the third seat you're going to start preaching the gospel of God. No, it's not going to happen that way. We are waiting for invitations like that. You are a son of God. You have full authority of the kingdom. Everything that is, is for you and you are able to give, because he gave Adam dominion, you have dominion over every living thing. Everything in this world is in our dominion. So, cancer, who are you? This is our authority. I, I'm not even playing with, oh, let me play with migraines and what, let me, what, what's the other stuff? A carpal tunnel, right? All that stuff. We're not. No, we're going for the big stuff, right? Carpal tunnel will get healed. 
I'm, I'm talking to you, Dalton. I, I am really talking to you. Carpal tunnel will get healed because I, I do not care what your sickness is. I do not care because the authority that each of us have is enough to shake this world. Okay? You all didn't come for prayer on Wednesday, right? On Wednesday, we were, I think, how many of us ever showed up for prayer, right? Alan had this word, 14. Okay, Alan had this word and that we had to lay our hands and he said that we see these braces, we see these crutches and all. You know, Dale uh, Gentry, he's a prophet and senior man of God. He basically said, if you can see it, you can have it. Healing and moving into the things of God as a son has to be very natural. Me going to get a drink of water in my house has to be very natural. I don't have to be looking left and right and say, oh, let me just put my hand out and like, you know, half-heartedly, oh, yeah, let me pray for nearly. And my hand is like stuck out just like this. Hey, if it's healing, here, in Jesus' name. That is the authority. You're not supposed to kind of like, we, we, because again, we put it to a worth. My worth Jesus died on the cross for you, not I. So why would I hesitate to say, by his stripes you are healed? Right? We try to make this very polite prayer that nobody can like, point a finger at us. Oh wait, you're not good enough to basically pray for healing. Who said that? Yeah. So yesterday I was telling people about like a, a week ago when Robbie Dawkins went to the Win unit. That's where Dan and me met. No, we were not in prison, but we met at prison. Right? And he basically took a bunch of people, he asked, who all are skeptical about healing? And they said, okay, who have never seen a healing happen? So they all put their hands up. He said, all of them come in front. And then he basically said, who all need healing? And people put their hands up. And this is the prison, okay? You know the prison's medical system is a little whack, right? It's there, but it's not there, okay? So it's like you have to have, get healing. So anyway, these people who never believed in healing, never this thing, Prayed for the people who were sick, and every one of them got healed. This is God. This is God, because he is not about what is your worthiness, what, I, what did you do today, did you eat breakfast, did you eat oatmeal, did you drink milk, chocolate, who cares? We made that about that, that this is who God is. But when he died, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for everything. Your sonship says, yes, you want to eat pineapple fried rice from the fridge, outside the fridge, you want to drop it on the floor, it's your house. You're going to clean it. You're going to clean it, but you're able to move into any place. You want to turn the TV on, you want to turn the air on. What do you want to do? You are able to say, talk to Alexa if you have to. But Alexa, I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God, Alexa? Right? We're used to just talking to Alexa, but we're not used to basically saying, this is my dominion and I'm going to command everything. That, hey, the wind has to move. Stop. Rain, stop. Whatever. This is our dominion. My dominion is mine and it is in my authority that I can move it. So when we were praying for healing, it was kind of funny because I started seeing these things and I was like, ooh, this is going to be funny. Alan, how are you going to design this? Right? And it's funny because then I was like, I was just suddenly in another building. And I go to this other building and I'm suddenly seeing this. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, too much. I don't need the detail. I just know it's another building. And it's there. There we suddenly we're putting this on. And I, I just said, like, okay, let's see when this happens. But for that to happen, we have to steward 
what easy has been carrying for all this time. We're going to see a healing revival. We are a house of healing. We are a house of revival. We, people are just going to... So, so this is where my heart is. First, to put you into an understanding of the foundation of God's love. Second, is to make you sure of your identity in Christ. Right? Third, to take away every false identity, every false armor, very Christian-sounding thing that you put in. David, David literally walked to Saul and said, sorry, but I don't want this armor. And he just walked away. Sometimes you have to humbly be able to talk to a king of authority and say, ah, I have fought my battles using my armor. I'm not putting in armor what you think I am. Don't put baby in a box. I'm not going to go into this box because I will die in battle. I've not been formed with this. I've been formed with my war. I've been formed with the bears. I've been formed with, you know, the foxes. Whatever you've killed, you had your prayers. So what made you decide to be quiet and put on a false armor that is not yours, a false armor of religion, a false armor of religiosity, and say, hmm, sunny for you. There is a different armor, a different identity, and I do not even know it. I, I, have, I turned around in worship, and I looked at you, and I was like, whoa. It's like, but there is, in, if you pursue the heart of God now, right, the, you're, both of you, like, just say, God, it's simple. I'm not putting, like, too much pressure on you or anything. I'm just saying, pursue the heart of God, and in that, just say, God, all these years, there are different identities we put on. We put on like this, we did this, we said we are this. But right now, God's calling you back to a place of true identity. And I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure God is going to reveal it to you because there'll be freedom. You'll not feel a yoke. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's the number one criteria you're going to test every identity that comes your way. The yoke of God is easy. It's, I'm not saying it's just going to be, oh, let me roll out of bed and step into my identity. Yeah, you can. But when to do the stuff, you're going to walk with him. It will be a very, not tedious. You're used to tedious. You're used to tedious, and God wants to switch that around and say it's no longer going to be tedious, but it's going to be a, a walk where you're like, hmm, okay, God, next step, what do we do? And you have this fear and trembling in your heart, and you're going to take that next step. The, I do not know whether you're brash. I do not know whether it just, to me, in my natural strength, sometimes I'm very brash in a sense. I'm forceful. I can make this happen. And I just have this feeling that for you, it's like you're just going to go for the next step and the next step till you develop the confidence back again to say, let's go. We are in gear. We are clicking. We are moving. We are moving. We are moving. It will feel. And the true identity is what is setting you free as a son. For you to receive love is the most important thing. Same thing I told Dominic, I'm telling you. Both of you are in two different realms of who you are and what you all are doing and all. But in that also, God basically wants to come in and he wants to say, hey, just receive now. You see? And in that receiving is the freshness, a fresh wind. You catch that fresh wind and you're able to move into the place where you are supposed to move, do what you're supposed to do. You see, because if I go in with the old box, the old box is what basically has all these stickers on it, and it says basically return to sender. And it's like, you're like, mm, this box is not working. Can you imagine? We sometimes, have you seen those players who basically put those 
what do you say, the brown paper bags on their face, those Louisiana saints, and they would call themselves Aints and all. And sometimes I feel like this box, just it's a cardboard box that we walk around because it's so flimsy that it will just fall off if I punch it, but we still carry around that that is our identity. And we have allowed people to put stickers on us and told us, hey, this is who you are. Sonny, this is what you do. Cheryl, this is what you do. No, no, no. The God who I know has basically nothing that limits you. The same word I receive, limitless, I basically give to you. And I say limitless with God. You see? Run, but run with that intensity when you know exactly what you're going to run with. It's just like suddenly we're going to go. So, Lord, we just bless them right now, God, in Jesus' name, oh God. Every warfare, every smell of smoke, oh God, we even wipe it off them, oh God, right now in Jesus' name, oh God. And we just say right now, everything, oh God, every dryness in their bones, oh God. Yeah, every dryness in their bones, oh God. Lord, you're just going to fatten it right now, their bones, oh God. Fatten it, oh God, right now. Hmm. Yeah, as a father who fattened that calf and killed it for them, oh God, the same way you're going to rejoice, oh God, for Sonny and Cheryl, oh God, and their family, oh God, that, Lord, you are celebrating. Yeah, and I release that celebration, oh God. You have forgotten how it is to celebrate, oh God, but I want to tell you that God, your Father in heaven, celebrates you, celebrates you. You have forgotten that sound of what is a celebration in Jesus' name. And so, Father, right now we just release that sound, O oh God, so that every false identity that has to fall, O oh God, under the sound of it, O oh God, it will fall down, O oh God, right now in Jesus' name, O oh God. Just the sound. I release that sound, O oh God, that sound, O oh God, that breaks, O oh God, every false identity, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet right now. We're just going to move into that healing part of it. We're just going to move into that healing part of it as a church. As a church, we are called to move into healing. So even right now, O oh God, every person in this place, we are pressing in for healing.